Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in Your Home. Uh, Francis and I are very excited to bring you a new topic for conversation today, but it'll be one that's very familiar to everybody in our listening audience. It is simply the sign of the cross. We're going to talk about the significance of the sign of the cross, and hopefully our objective here is to engender a, a greater devotion uh, to a practice that we as Catholics engage in every single day. And I suspect, if you're anything like me, that for some uh, period of time uh, you may have and you may still just uh, simply um, see the sign of the cross as a gesture, a simple gesture. Uh, but, of course, it is something far more than that, and we're going to hope to uh, bring that out in our conversation today. Uh, Francis, I know that uh, you're excited about it. You had actually advocated this topic uh, and by the way, welcome back to the studio. Nice to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. And and I know we originally had planned to do this topic um, the Monday before the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. And life happened, and <laughs> so we ended up doing um, a different program. But anyway, uh, I think this is a very important program because it is a simple gesture, but it is a potent gesture. And um, I'm glad we're going to talk about it because I learned from just preparing for it. Yes, I did as well. And, of course, that's the blessing, Francis, you and I receive is the preparation for these conversations, no doubt, uh, enhances our own understanding and our spiritual journey. So I am uh, looking forward to that. Let's um, begin, though, as we do each time we meet uh, with both the sign of the cross and our opening prayer. Francis, if you wouldn't mind leading us, I would appreciate it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Oh, sweet Jesus, we thank you for the holy sign of the cross, a most important prayer and symbol of our Christian faith. It is at once the image of your passion, the sign of redemption of all mankind, and the awesome testament of the destruction of the power of the devil and of his kingdom on earth. We rejoice, and demons tremble. To see the sign of the cross emblazoned everywhere is proof of Christ's victory over the world. O Christ, you said, All power is given to me in heaven and on earth, and the cross is the seat of that power. There is no miracle that has not been worked that has not been worked under this sign. With it the faithful can clear away all enemies and temptations with the simplest of wordless gestures. We thank you and we praise you, O Lord, for by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm also going to ask the Lord's uh, grace and mercy on us, Francis, as we begin this conversation. You're familiar. I won't bother sharing with our audience, but there's a lot going on in, in uh, uh, you know, my personal life, uh, the life of my wife. and In the uh, world. In the world. <laughs> and so we're going to ask uh, that through the power of the sign of the cross, that may be uh, provided to us as we begin this conversation here today. And I want to start with a little bit of a history, uh, an experience that I had. Uh, some years ago, I was able to see a Croatian priest, actually a stigmatic priest. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Father Sudat. Um, yep. And uh, he, he, at that time, visited the States quite often. I don't know if he's been back for some time, but um, and I actually got to see him uh, for a week-long conference uh, in attendance at his retreat facility <laughs> My in mouth Croatia, is dropping. <laughs> uh, before I went to um, 
to Magigori the first time I took my son there, and we went to Father Sudat's island, literally, um, wow. in Croatia for, for a week-long retreat. So got to spend some time with him. But uh, nonetheless, I remember in one of his public presentations, he asked us all to stop and sort of, you know, um, dispose ourselves for prayer. And then he said, all I want us to do is make the sign of the cross. Um, but he said, I want you to do it in a way you may have never done it before. And he asked that we do it very slowly, very reverently, um, with a deep consideration for what was implied, which we're going to discuss, of course, in our conversation in this. Um, and he would never use the word gesture. It is not a gesture. It is, as we're going to learn from St. Francis de Sales, um, in and of itself, the sign of the cross is a Christian ceremony. Uh, and it represents so many things that, um, as I say, this conversation will be about. So I found that very compelling, and I've tried to maintain that perspective, um, redoing the or uh, doing the research for this conversation allowed me to sort of reinvigorate that uh, appreciation that I had gained for the sign of the cross when he made that public presentation. And again, I hope that our conversation will engender that for our listeners. And for us, for, um, since we do this so many times in so many ways and so many circumstances, you know, if we do it more effectively, more meaningfully, our prayer life will, will take another leap up. Yeah. And I think that's the point that, um, St. Francis de Sales would make and does make, in fact, in a book. And I unfortunately realize I didn't bring my copy, but, but <laughs> I see that you the, did. Yeah, it's called The Sign of the Cross, the 15 Most Powerful Words in the English Language by St. Francis de Sales. Um, I, I um, want to just relate one other experience that stays with me, and I don't know why, but when we pick this topic... This thought came rushing back to my head of an, of an uncle of mine, he's still alive, um, who taught my cousins and I, he's a faithful Catholic, uh, always to make the sign of the cross before we went into the water to go swimming. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a practice that you were exposed my, to. No, I wasn't, but my son does this, and he is a swimmer on a national team. And um, every time before his events, that's what he does from the diving block. <laughs> Well, this same uncle always advocated, and this I occasionally recall to do, but not always, um, advocated that we um, would make the sign of the cross every time we passed a Catholic church. Mm -hmm. And I saw that as, uh, you know, my naive childish perspective was uh, that this was simply a way of saying hello to Jesus or a sign of respect, acknowledging that we knew he was there, a friendly wave, if you will. Um, And that's fine, actually. That's not a... I think, a, a bad or even mistaken um, perception of the sign of the cross. But, um, as you just mentioned, the book that we are going to draw a much deeper appreciation for the sign of the cross from is entitled, literally, The Sign of the Cross, from Francis de Sales. Um, and we're also going to gain some perspective from uh, a book by Anthony Lills uh, titled Fire from Above, uh, he also reads, uh, writes about the sign of the cross in a previous book titled Hidden Mountain Secret Garden, but you probably discovered after I recommended those two texts that the chapter is largely the same. He he sort of right. lifted and replaced it. Right, and he is, he is a secular discalced Carmelite, and um, I just really enjoy reading his blog and um, 
you know, these books, they're, they're rich. And so uh, we will learn a great deal from him. Yeah, he has a great deal to share. Well, right from the first page, we get the thesis of this entire document, The Sign of the Cross from Francis de Sales, where he says the sign of the cross is a Christian ceremony that represents the passion of our Lord by tracing the shape of the cross with a simple motion. Um, And then, of course, uh, Francis, I deferred to uh, this bottom of page 9. I would ask you to read this, if you don't mind, uh, from that very same text. Uh, He goes on to give us a further explanation of the significance of the sign of the cross. The Christian first lifts his hand toward his head while saying, in the name of the Father, in order to show that the Father is the first person of the Blessed Trinity and the principle and origin of the others. Then he moves his hand downward toward the stomach while saying, and of the Son, in order to show that the Son proceeds from the Father who sent him here below into the virgin's womb. Finally, he pulls his hand across from the left shoulder to the right while saying, and of the Holy Spirit, in order to show that the Holy Spirit, being the third person of the Blessed Trinity, proceeds from the Father and from the Son, and is their bond of love and charity, and that it is by his grace that we enjoy the effects of the passion. When making the sign of the cross, therefore, we confess three great mysteries. The Trinity... Yeah, this is important. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is important because I don't know that uh, many of us would have attributed uh, to this simple... Um, you know, physical expression, the sign of the cross, these three great mysteries that Francis de Sales is about to outline. When making the sign of the cross, therefore, we confess three great mysteries, the Trinity, the Passion, and the remission of sins, by which we are moved from the left, the hand of the curse, to the right, the hand of blessing. You know, I might add, I've read where it also uh, helps us renew our baptismal promises. Yes, yes. In fact, I think later in the book he makes reference to that. But I just want to quickly reflect on those three. Uh, And again, I I said at the beginning of our conversation, and and Francis, I think uh, it's true that we want to encourage our listeners. um, I just came from Mass myself, by the way. Um, And of course, uh, we'll talk about the sign of the cross within the Mass Uh, But the next time you walk into a church or you um, uh, kneel to pray, uh, well, walk into a church to participate in Mass, or you kneel to pray, or whatever might um, um, sort of, you know, invoke the sign of the cross from you, I want you to think about those three great mysteries that Francis just outlined and how powerful they are. The um, invoking of the passion is the most obvious, the cross. We are literally making the sign of the cross. But the way Francis de Sales describes it, the father, of course, as the head, acknowledging the Blessed Mother's role in bringing Christ forth from her womb. We do that when we make the sign of the cross, and we should. Uh, at the bottom of the cross, we should be uh, just below our rib cage, And then, of course, the each of the shoulders brought in Uh, both the Holy Spirit, and then he introduces this third idea of the remission of sin, moving from the hand of cursing to the hand of blessing. I thought that was a powerful um, analogy. Mark, I have to confess that when I read this about making the sign all the way down to, 
you know, below your mm-hmm. rib cage, <laughs> where he said to your stomach. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did not know that. I always went to my heart because yeah. I wanted Jesus in my mind when I, you know, blessed my head and in my heart mm-hmm. and then on all sides. So mm-hmm. that's the way I was taught. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually uh, an interesting way of characterizing it. I, I think what Francis de Sales might argue is that we cover the heart when we're doing the you know left to right crossing. But um, the the significance of the of the uh, I guess extent to which we apply the, um, the the touching of the hand to to the body is perhaps not as important as the realization of the three mysteries that are invoked. And again, I, I suspect that many of our listeners either haven't in the past or don't today think about those three when they make the sign of the cross, but it is something that we should really reflect on. Well, and also I might add that there are some books that talk about the position of your hands. Mm-hmm. Most Americans have an open hand, and, and they make that, and so they uh, say, well, you know, that's to honor the five wounds because you have the five fingers, you know. Um, others, uh, you know, different positions of two fingers and three fingers uh, you know, together, meaning the two natures of Jesus, his human and divine, and the Trinity mm-hmm. with the other three. So, you know, um, and, and you see that in statues. And we've talked about that a little bit before in previous conversations. So, I mean, you can really get into some really details. And I also saw something about, you know, if you don't go clear the way down into the rib cage, then then your cross looks like an inverted cross. And there's that whole argument there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, but I mean, the Lord knows our intentions. So right. I'm like, oh, um, anyway, I, I just thought, you know, these are things for us to think about. But when we uh, make this sign of the cross with with such purpose and such meaning, um, it really makes a difference. Yeah, and it has to do with the interiority, the disposition of the heart, which you mentioned just a moment ago. You know, again, I don't want us getting hung up on the physical movement. Again, I, I distinctly don't use the word gesture, but on the physical movement of the sign of the cross or uh, the length and extent of the various um, uh, movements. But what we should be focused on, uh, and again, I'm presuming, and maybe I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong in many cases, um, but most of us probably don't have this uh, disposition or sufficient interiority uh, with regard to the physical movement of the creation of the sign of the cross. In fact, Francis de Sales from this text uh, towards the end of the third chapter uh, says this. He says, the sign of the cross then is nothing other than a brief and lively exterior prayer by which God is invoked. And as a result, it is proper for all of our doings and plans. And again, back to my uncle, um, you know, there are so many instances where uh, we should feel free to make the sign of the cross. You know, I read one time, for instance, we should make the sign of the cross uh, over the food that we eat, not just the sign of the cross that we might make as we uh, say grace over our food, but we should actually make the gesture over the food. When we bless, which we're going to talk about, of course, we, we invoke the sign of the cross. Um, and we're going to hear some other saints talking about the times in which um, the sign of the cross is perfectly appropriate. In fact, um, times during which we should um, feel free and, and encouraged to engage in making the sign of the cross. Of course, there isn't a time where we shouldn't uh, do that. Well, while we're talking about it, I just want to do 
say the little blurb about all of those possibilities. Uh, I mean, a few of them. Um, they're not all of them, of course. But the most significant uh, of, of the times of using um, the sign of the cross is in blessings, in consecrations, with the sacraments, to chase off demons, to protect oneself against their assaults, to accomplish other miracles. Of course, making the sign of the cross when we uh, put the holy water on us as we enter Mass. But, and I know we're going to get into some of those into more detail. I just kind of wanted to put them all together in one spot real briefly. <laughs> yeah, so again, what we have in this, and Francis just outlined some of the specific um, times in which we would do it, in the sign of the cross, as I say, we don't have a ceremony. It's not, or we do have a ceremony, a complete ceremony. It is not a gesture. And we do well to better understand the significance of this compact, powerful ceremony of our faith. Uh, but we should just say uh, something about what we mean by ceremony. And I'm going to let Francis DeSales speak to us on that topic. All right. He says, when we prayed for Lazarus from John 11:41, for his glorification by the Father... Do you want me to recite all these scripture? No, I think okay. just a quick okay. reference through them would <laughs> be right. sufficient. I forgot to ask you that. Okay, when he prayed for Lazarus, for his glorification by the Father, and for the multiplication of the loaves, Jesus Christ lifted up his eyes to heaven. And David, in order to signify that he had prayed, said that he had lifted his eyes up to heaven. The Savior himself even prayed to the Father with his knees on the ground, as the saints have often done. And St. Paul indicated that he had prayed to God by saying no more than that he had bowed his knees before the Father. So clearly does this ceremony belong to prayer. It was the solemn practice, both of the Jews and of the first Christians, to pray by raising the hands which is, moreover, an entirely natural ceremony that almost every nation has employed in order to recognize thereby that the heavens are the place of God's glory. So by ceremony, what Francis is saying, and this is very important for us to understand, I might argue it's the central theme beyond uh, having a deeper appreciation for the sign of the cross for our conversation today. This is a critical piece to understand. The sign of the cross as a ceremony literally involves the entire body and soul of the person who makes the sign. In other words, this is why I choose not to use the word gesture. It is not a gesture. A gesture doesn't invoke the interiority of the person, the soul of the person. When we pray, as Francis just read to us in so many instances throughout the Bible, we are literally offering our entire body and soul and everything that we are to the Lord. And we make this sign, St. Francis says, um, well aware that it is not a gesture. We have to understand this. We need to make the sign with reverence, with the proper interior disposition toward the one to whom it is directed. And we need to become more fully aware of what we're doing. It reminds me, Francis, of St. Teresa of Avila's caution to us that those who pray the Our Father without sufficient uh, understanding and reverence uh, or without um, uh, an appreciation to whom they are praying uh, should be cautioned as to what they're saying because they are invoking the Father when they pray that prayer. And I remember her specifically saying that any time we go to prayer, we should always begin with the sign of the cross Absolutely. because we're praying in the name of the Trinity. Right. I just want to provide, uh, though we've already begun to draw from it, a little bit of context for the document that we're using um, 
And I'll do this briefly, Francis, beyond what the uh, you know little collection of notes that we've gathered here uh, suggests. Uh, Francis de Sales, of course, was sent to the Duchy of Savoy to literally engage in what was described as a battle with Protestant forces, the Huguenots, who were largely Calvinists, by the way, and who had been misleading many of the faithful away from the Catholic faith. Um, he was very effective with the written word. Uh, Francis de Sales is the patron saint, by the way, of Catholic writers, uh, those who seek to use writing as a form of evangelization, teaching, education. He's certainly not the only one. St. Paul is another one. But uh, Francis de Sales is invoked as the patron saint of writers to help the faithful both understand um, and be encouraged uh, by the, the writings um, uh, of um, of himself and and of uh, so much that the church has to offer. In many of his pamphlets, of course, he made reference to the sign of the cross, and he encouraged the faithful to utilize this practice. We'll talk about its history in a moment. And as a consequence, one of the Calvinist theologians in the area wrote a tract criticizing, indeed mocking, Francis and his advocacy of the sign of the cross. Uh, the document, this document then, is Francis's response to that attack. Now, we're not going to get into all the theological or rhetorical arguments. They would sort of bog down our conversation and the focus on um, reverence that we want to engender here. Uh, but it is important to realize that what Francis is advocating is this understanding of ceremony, of faith, of devotion in the expression of the sign of the cross, in the making of the sign of the cross. And so let's look at the origin of this sign. Well, there's no definitive explanation for when the use of the sign of the cross came into practice, um, when it, the very first time it was used. What is clear is that its use is seen in the writings of the early church father, Tertullian, as far back as 204 A.D., where he refers to it as an ancient practice. So even so, in 204, it had some you know, legitimacy and had been around for a while. And, and, and it was referred to as an ancient practice. Right. So <laughs> The important point that St. Francis de Sales makes is that the sign of the cross does go back to apostolic times meaning that it was handed down as part of the tradition. St. Francis goes on to point out that St. Jerome advocated its use, whether coming or going. And St. Ephraim went so far as to write, whether you sleep or wake, travel or work, eat or drink, sail on a sea, cross a river, cover yourself with this breastplate, clothe and encircle your limbs with a saving sign, and evils will not meet you. And that was a lot of power there. <laughs> Finally, um, just to bring our Carmelite saints in on this, it's well known that St. Teresa of Avila used to advocate and practice that if she or anyone saw a vision of any kind, they should immediately, as she did, make the sign of the cross. I think Bernadette did this when uh, she saw the apparition uh, of Our Lady in Lourdes. She also argued that it was a sure way to fend off the attacks of the devils when they seek to assault our faith and trust in God. Indeed, even um, Anthony Lills in his book entitled Fire from Above uh, mentions that St. Teresa advocates making the sign of the cross as a sure way to stand firm against the attacks on our trust in God. So she simply assumes that this physical action has the power to deepen our confidence in such times of trial. So even if we're not saying uh, the words, just the uh, in the process of, of making the sign um, it has power. Well, and how many times have we seen sometimes uh, 
somewhat humorously, I don't want to suggest that it's in a mocking way, but we've seen in films, you know, where somebody finds himself in a difficult situation and quickly they, you know, they I, roll off. The side I of see that in the Hispanic culture. <laughs> I mean, especially when I lived in San Antonio, I saw that frequently. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're getting ready to do something or they're afraid or, you know, something happens and you see them quickly. Yeah, they get bad news. That's yeah. another example, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. And it should uh, be that way. Again, as St. Ephraim said, you know, we should do this all the time, as you read. Uh, eating, drinking, sleeping, work, whatever, we should be doing it. But we should do it with reverence. We should do it with understanding. St. Francis, again, in his explanation, uh, and its real meaning and power is a ceremony of faith. He identifies some critical points that we're going to talk to when we come back. But um, I just want to reemphasize this this point, it should be done more frequently than it is, even even more frequently than it is. But it should be done with understanding. It should be done with reverence. Well, I think that we'll take our break now, and then we'll come back and talk about those five points um, about this ceremony. Great. A reminder that you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in your home. Francis and I today are having a conversation about the sign of the cross. Um, Again, as we've emphasized throughout our conversation here today, um, it is a uh, sign. Uh, It is a ceremony, as St. Francis de Sales describes it in a text that we're largely drawing from for our understanding of this conversation. Um, And it is far deeper than I suspect most of us give it credit for. Um, and it bears uh, considerable consideration for uh, its involvement in advancing our prayer life and deepening our encounter and our understanding. We began the conversation by um, elaborating three mysteries that uh, Francis de Sales points out, that the sign of the cross invokes, the passion of our Lord, of course, the Trinity, which who we speak to when we make the sign of the cross, and um, the absolution of our sins, moving from the hand of cursing, the left hand, to the hand of blessing, the right hand. And those are three that I want to encourage our listeners, Francis, every time, the next time, in fact, that you make the sign of the cross, try to put those three in your head. If you can't do all three or you don't remember one, hold on to uh, at least one or two of them and be very reverent. I'll tell you the first best thing, uh, we always like to give our advice, Francis, about how to use the um, uh, you know, beneficially, the things we're talking about. My first bit of advice on the sign of the cross would be slow it down. Right. Make it in half the time you're making it today. And you, you, you know. Make it listener, purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know how we, all, we walk into a church and we just sort of, you know, peel off the movements. But I would say stop and very slowly, very reverently make that sign of the cross. And I think that'll help uh, to uh, bring our minds to focus on its importance. Well, Francis de Sales had a few uh, points um, that he wanted to bring out in the treaties that he wrote in defense of the sign of the cross. Uh, And so I want us to cover those quickly and just elaborate a little bit on um, uh, his arguments in favor of the sign of the cross. Well, the first sign is that, or the first point, excuse me, is that the sign of the cross is a ceremony primarily because it is designed, as all good ceremonies are, to give honor to God. And so it's an act of religion here. Right. Not just a gesture. Again, as we've emphasized, a ceremony involves the heart. It involves the soul. It gives honor to God. This is not simply a you know, a castaway physical movement, a gesture. It is something that gives honor to God. Secondly, it is distinctly Christian because it honors Christ's sacrifice on the cross as it forms the symbol of the cross. Many organizations and groups have signs. We can think of the military salutes or the Cub Scout sign. Um, But the sign of the cross is unique. And you know, Mark, I was surprised that, um, that, all Christians don't make the sign of the no, cross. In fact, in fact, <laughs> I'm like, why not? I'm right, like, I, I'm, right. I'm just baffled that all Christians don't make the sign of the cross. So um, hopefully, um, maybe they'll read one of these books or hear this conversation and make them think, uh, you know, they're missing out on such a powerful prayer. Yeah, no, and I confess I'm not familiar with why. I suspect there are different reasons, but I've been so many times as you have in in um, ecumenical circles where there were both Catholics and, and other Christians and um, they, more often than not, they do not make the sign of the cross, and it does uh, lead one to question. I mean, if we begin our most uh, significant uh, prayer, which is the Mass, we begin it with the sign of the cross, and we end it with right. the sign of the cross. That tells you what the Catholics think of it. It does beg the question, why wouldn't everybody uh, invoke it? But Okay, the third point is that the ceremony of this 
sign of the cross represents the passion, and that's easy to figure out. Right. The sign, it's the cross, and of course, uh, that is the beyond the Eucharist. It is the centerpiece of our uh, Catholic faith. And you know, when, when they first did this, um, my understanding was that they just made the sign of the cross on their foreheads. Um, because of the times of persecution. So as those times of per- persecution went away, then they they made the large sign of cross across their body. So it was more uh, pronounced. And, and Francis de Sales, I just want to say this quickly since you brought it up because it's a good point. He uh, defends in an entire chapter, in fact two chapters, the making of the sign of the cross on the forehead. I don't want to get again into the theological discussion of this. You know, Francis, as I do, that there are many instances, many of the sacraments uh, do call for the sign of the cross being made on the forehead, anointing, uh, for example, uh, baptism and so forth. Um, Now, it's made in other parts of the body as well, but it is made distinctly. The entire cross is made on the forehead, typically with the thumb and typically by a priest uh, or deacon. Uh, but um, um, there, there is, of course, a, a case to be made for that. I, I Again, I don't want to uh, go into his defense of it. His larger message is the actual making of the sign of the cross, but you're absolutely right. There was a historical context for limiting it to uh, the forehead. The fourth point is it represents the passion through the cross, that specific part of the passion, which is distinct from the Eucharistic representation representation of the passion. I thought right. that was a really interesting point. Right. Uh, and the fifth point, and finally, the sign of the cross consists of a motion, something the practitioner must actually do, unlike the static symbol of the fish. Um, this is something we must take active part in. To right, be and that's of. what makes it a ceremony, right? I mean, we know the significance of the fish. You see them so often on the back of cars, somewhat mockingly at times, uh, which is terribly unfortunate. But more often than not, a Christian uh, will have that metal tag of the fish in the back of their car. We know what that means, right? That was right. a symbol. Um, and. That is an important symbol, but it is not a ceremony. Here, the person must be involved. The making of the sign of the cross involves the disposition of the person, the body, mind, and soul, as we discuss, and physical movement, uh, which is what makes it a ceremony. Well, St. Francis then goes on to explain the importance of the sign of the cross as, re- as it relates to prayer, which we'd love to hear this. For us Carmelites, this, of course, is the most important aspect of his entire teaching. We must come to understand there is nothing small, nothing insignificant in the service of God. And when the sign of the cross is a way of honoring and glorifying God, then we must take it quite seriously, especially as a form of prayer. Well, so I want to go back to uh, Dr. Anthony Lill's book. By the way, Dr. Uh, Lill did his uh, postgraduate work in Rome. I don't know if you know that, but he studied uh, uh, in Rome for, I forget what school. It may have been Thomas Aquinas. Have you uh, ever met him? No, I haven't. Okay, we're going to have him on the program sometime. We've got to interview him. We should. I think he'd be terrific. Um, He he certainly... Uh, very respected in in the writings he's done on prayer. He happens to have a great affinity to soon-to-be St. Elizabeth of yes. the Trinity, <laughs> right? <laughs> which I was reading his chapter on her the other night, by the way, in preparation for a presentation I'm going to do in October. But uh, yeah, so I would love to uh, to have an opportunity to interview him. In his book, which we mentioned previously, Fire from Above, he quotes St. Athanasius uh, and describes this, who describes the sign of the cross as an action that opens up a true contemplation of the world. Uh, 
What he means by this, of course, is that the sign of the cross at all, uh, the, the same time, all at the same time, is a prayer that involves the body. It incorporates vocal utterance, and if done properly, uh, can also bring in the imagination. All of this can lead to true contemplation. We understand these various stages. They're not hierarchical, but they involve various stages of prayer. The the vocal utterance of vocal prayer, the use of imagery, imagination in meditative prayer, and the experience of a deeper intimacy with our Lord, which um, we begin in contemplative prayer. And um, St. Athanasius then is saying that the sign of the cross in and of itself opens up. Now, I would include the word opens up the possibility because it is based largely on the disposition of the person, but it opens up a true contemplation of the world. Think of it, and we we are drawing in uh, to this uh, ceremony the Trinity, the passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the absolution of sin. We we said each of those three mysteries. Yeah. That redemption, Francis, mm-hmm. right, right? Redemption of our souls, um, and so that's a very powerful um, a ceremony, and and certainly for those of us Carmelites, of course, predisposed toward contemplative prayer. Um, This introduces that uh, opportunity for us. Dr. Lills goes on to explain that the sign of the cross is nothing short of a sacramental. Now, he doesn't use the word sacrament, but a sacramental. Um, Francis, uh, you'll do this better than I. Just a brief, uh, if you would, explanation reminder. What do we mean by sacramentals? Well, first of all, let's let's make it distinct from sacraments, which were baptism, confirmation, um, communion, confession. Um, <clears throat> they are defined as the sacraments um, being the efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. And now that comes from the Catechism um, number 1131. And from 1670, the Catechism talks about sacramentals. Sacramentals um, do not confer the grace of the Holy Spirit in the way that the sacraments do. But by the church's prayer, they prepare us to receive grace and dispose us to cooperate with it. In effect, these actions help to avail us of the grace available to us in the sacraments. Yeah, that's great. So the sacramental, and of course, we could mention many of them, but yeah, medals, the medals, for example. Yeah, yeah. And the, the interesting, rosary. We both went that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these sacramentals can dispose us through the prayer of the church, dispose us to the receipt of grace available to us in the sacraments. And that's an important point. I said before, the sign of the cross, the ceremony of the sign of the cross, can, with the proper disposition, avail us of the grace available to us in the sacrament of, for example, Mass. So we enter Mass. We know, we'll cite this in a few moments, the beginning and, and, and closing Um, words of every Mass that we attend. Do we enter into that Mass with sufficient reverence, appreciation, recognition uh, of what is being done there, the sacrifice of our Lord, um, the involvement of his passion and in his cross, uh, the uh, awareness of the Trinity? Do we properly dispose ourselves? If we do, we open ourselves up to a greater receipt of the grace that is available to us in and, the Mass. And, you know, when we are speaking of sacramentals, uh, as discount secular Carmelites, we wear the 
um, uh, scapular. scapular. Yeah. So uh, we place great importance on our scapular. So, uh, you know, if you put the, the sign of the cross in that same realm of, of how important and potent and, and what it speaks, what it represents, uh, what it is symbolizing uh, to you, I mean, it's just um, really deep. Well, Francis de Sales, in that very vein, goes on to discuss this idea of prayer, important again to we Carmelites. I suspect everybody, we shouldn't try to get the market on this, Francis, but (laughs) (laughs) contemplative prayer is sort of our charism, so it's important to us. Uh, But he gets right to the heart of the matter where he uses this phrase. He says, to be sure, the essence of prayer is in the soul. But the voice, our actions, and other external signs, read sacramental, by which we express our interior state are the noble accompaniments, most useful qualities of prayer, for they are its effects and its works. This is what we've just said about our disposition. It involves the whole body. That's why it's a ceremony. It involves the voice, a physical action, a sign, which is represented in the three mysteries that we discussed, and an expression of our interior state, whatever that might be. So it's very important that we realize the significance of this sign as something far more than just a gesture. Well, St. Francis de Sales spends two full chapters explaining the importance of the use of the sign of the cross in blessings. Um, We can all recall the reception of various sacraments throughout our life and can attest to the fact that the sign of the cross is always a central part of these ceremonies. Um, But I would like us to focus on one specific sacrament for a moment, since it's one we all engage in at least once a week and and I hope more often, and that is Mass and the reception of Jesus in the Eucharist. I want, to th- I want you to think carefully now about what happens. Uh, as you mentioned before, um, Mark, at the very beginning of Mass um, and at the very end, at the, the beginning, the, uh, the greeting, it goes something like this, in the name of the Father <laughs> and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Of course, we all know what, we're, what a- actions we are doing when, when those words are, are taking place. Then, of course, at the end of Mass, there's what is called the final blessing. And it sounds like this. May Almighty God bless you and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And again, we make this sign of the cross. So we begin and end with this potent sign. So now when we go to Mass, after you've heard um, this discussion you know, that Mark and I have been sharing about the importance of this, we can make it more purposely, um, more um, with greater attention, uh, attentiveness, uh, love. All right, uh, let's let's begin and end in the Trinity. You know. Well, let's go on now and discuss a very interesting chapter that Francis de Sales has in his treatise, again in defense of the sign of the cross, and that's his chapter on the history of the Tao. Um, he's making a case here for Catholics signing themselves on the forehead. I mentioned earlier that he actually spends two chapters doing that. And this is a very interesting topic in and of itself, but we just want to focus on the use of the sign of the cross. Now, many of you may be familiar with the um, the Tau. Uh, it's from the book of Ezekiel. In fact, let's just read that small uh, section, Francis, if you don't mind, if you've got that page open, I'd ask you to do it. Uh, and this reminds me of the Franciscan Tao. Exactly. Um, that's it. Yeah, so, exactly right. God called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his side, says the prophet Ezekiel. And the Lord said to him, 
Go through the city, through Jerusalem, and mark Ta upon the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations there are committed in it. And immediately afterward, he commanded the six men who each carried a deadly weapon in his hand to massacre all those they were to find in the city. But, he said, touch no one upon whom is the mark. That's Ezekiel 9, 3-6. through 6. This taw, the mark of safety, signified nothing other than the cross. Now, it was marked on the forehead, and that is why we make the cross on our foreheads. It is a pretty proof of the honor and power of the cross, and such a weighty one that the author of the treatise attempts to obscure its meaning. This is the person he's trying to defend this to. Right. And what we understand about Francis has taught, I suspect she's probably right. But um, two things about this. One, um, it is the Greek alphabet letter rendered as a T, which obviously looks like a cross. Um, the important point that Francis wants to make here is the need for this interior sign, the cross, um, a remorse for sin, as was described in um, in the book of Ezekiel that Francis just read, also has an external sign. Uh, in other words, it is the interior disposition, but it had to be for for um, Ezekiel and f- for the angel who had commanded it, a mark on the sign of the people who in fact had this lament or this remorse for sin. I think, if I don't have my sequence wrong, Francis, this bottom of page 71, just that last sentence uh, elaborates this. Truly... The very life's blood of our happiness is to be anointed and marked in our hearts by our master. But the exterior sign is also required, inasmuch as it cannot be disdained without rejecting the interior one. And as our two parts both belong to Jesus Christ, that is the interior and the exterior, it is most reasonable that they should both carry his mark and sign. Yeah, so that's the importance here. Think about that the next time you make the sign of the cross. You are literally marking yourself. You are giving a physical representation uh, of the uh, sign of the cross, but uh, uh, of the mark that has been placed upon you. You know, we talk about the scapula, Francis, you just mentioned it, as a, as a sacramental that we wear, and it says... Um, that we are basically the lady's property, our Blessed Mother's property. And that's exactly what we're saying when we make the sign of the cross over ourselves. We are saying, I have been marked. That gesture is not just uh, an external, or that, that is not a gesture, that, that physical movement. It, it, it is not just uh, my interior t- disposition. I want it to be known. I want to stand out and make clear I have been marked. I am the property of the one who, for whom this sign, this ceremony um, uh, was instituted, and I mean by that, was instituted by, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And every time we make that sign, we renew that. We reinforce it. Uh, we, we make it so that it's more. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, and I, don't, I certainly don't mean any criticism here, but I find it interesting that so often I'll be in... in um, uh, a social setting with Catholics in uh, 
you know, a house, let's say, and we sit for a meal and of course we'll say grace and everybody will make the sign of the cross. But then I'll be out in public in a restaurant with some of those same Catholics and there appears to be some reservation about bowing their head, making the sign of cross, making it obvious to those around them that, um, that, that they have been marked. And we shouldn't have reservation about that. In fact, it is a sign, a ceremonial sign of our having been marked by the Lord and we should have no reservation uh, about letting that be known. Uh, to those around us. Well, St. Francis goes on at some length to uh, debunk, quite frankly, an adversary, this uh, uh, Calvinist who wrote the treaties against the sign of the cross, his contention that we should not use uh, the body in, in ceremonies or what he refers to as the flesh when we pay honor to God, that God is above and beyond our physical um, uh, you know, fleshly existence, and so we should not invoke it when we uh, seek to give honor to him. He, he makes the argument, of course, that's close to every Carmelite's heart since St. Teresa herself struggled with this, uh, that we must, in fact, keep in mind the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, we should be perfectly comfortable engaging the use of our physical body in the act right. of prayer, invoking the ceremony using our body, that prayer is not simply an internal mystery, uh, but engages the entire person and has an external uh, mark associated with it, as Francis read. So we've discussed how the sign of the cross is a ceremony, how, you know, if we use it properly and with reverence, it can lead to contemplative prayer, how it consistently is invoked in blessings, um, how it engages the body and soul in honoring God, how it must be an outward sign of an interior disposition. But St. Francis also wants us to know that this sign is a sure means of protection against our enemies. Yeah, and he gave a whole series of little snippets here that I'm just going to ask, Francis, if you don't mind reading a couple of those uh, to just sort of bring this out. It's always good. You know, we read about the uh, the rosary, for example, and the power of the rosary and things that have happened as a result of the recitation of the rosary. So if we're going to advocate, as we are, the more reverent um, use of the sign of the cross, it's good to know a few of the success stories, if you will, that have been associated with it. Well, here is St. Marshall. Keep always in your mind, in your mouth, and as a sign, the cross of the Lord in whom you have believed, true God and Son of God. For the cross of the Lord is your invincible armor against Satan. It is a helm to defend your head, a breastplate to preserve your chest, a buckler to repel the arrows of the evil one, and a sword that will not allow the diabolical tricks and stratagems of the evil power to approach you. By this sign alone has heavenly victory been given to us, and by the cross has baptism been sanctified. That's really? right out of the pages of St. Paul's letter, right? It <laughs> talks about putting on yes. the breastplate and the helmet and the right. feet and so on and so right. forth. So. I really like that one. Yeah. And then, of course, there's St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was a disciple of the um, Apostle St. John. Um, the prince of this world rejoices when someone renounces the cross, for well does he know that the confession of the cross is his defeat, inasmuch as it is the sign of victory over his power. He is frightened to see it and fears to hear it. Yeah, the, um, did you want to do one more? or? It's up to you. I've, I've got yeah, another one. Yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do let's one do, more. All right. So this is St. Anthony. Yeah. Um, he, uh, this is how he withstood the demons. He said, if you have any strength, if the Lord has given you any power over me, come. Here I am. Devour the one who is given to you. But if you cannot, 
Why do you labor in vain? For the sign of the cross and faith in the Lord is an impregnable wall for us. And this is what Anthony said to his disciples. The demons come in the night pretending to be angels of God. Seeing them, arm yourselves in your homes with the sign of the cross, and immediately they will be reduced to nothing. For they fear this victory sign by which the Savior despoiled the powers of the air and made them laughable. Yeah, I was hoping you'd read that one with the, <laughs> the victory sign. You know, yeah, we the use V sign. with yeah. our two uh, fingers. Our victory sign is the is sign of the cross. <laughs> right. well, and Teresa, of course, Teresa Vavla, you know, told us to make the sign of the cross to help ward yeah. off the evil one. Francis de Sales' main point, I think, Teresa Vavla's would be the same. Uh, is that the power does not come from the individual who prays or simply uh, by the sign itself, but rather the one who is invoked. His sacrifice, which to this day makes our enemies shudder. And that's so encouraging to hear. Uh, I would encourage you, our listeners, to read a book entitled The Sign of the Cross by St. Francis de Sales. It's a wonderful text. Uh, and I think you would draw great fruit even beyond what we've been able to share with you here today. And I want to add the sign of the cross by Monsignor Gaume, G-A-U-M-E, um, because it is along those same lines, but it's um, much more intense. And um, we will list these resources uh, with our programs when they are archived on Radio Maria and, and also on our Carmelite Conversations page. So you'll be able to, to see those. So, um, Mark, I think you've, you've issued a spiritual challenge to all of us to be deliberate, conscientious, uh, purposeful in signing ourselves in this most holy sign of the cross. So that brings us to the end of our hour, and I have a closing prayer here, f- f- um, and it's from the Roman Breviary. So I'd like us to now... Sign ourselves deliberately in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail, O cross, our only hope. You increase grace in the souls of the just and remit the faults of sinners. O glorious, resplendent tree, decked in royal purple, on your arms hangs the price of our redemption. In you is our victory, our ransom. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, a reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in your home. Until we're with you again next week, God bless. 